Hello and welcome to the Lifefulness Podcast. Uh, this is a no-bullshit discussion about reimagining religion and remixing spirituality, looking to see how we can learn from uh, all manner of ancient wisdom at the same time keeping it scientific, keeping it evidence-based. And I'm your host, Sanderson. Uh, we're doing something a bit different for Christmas, so maybe maybe start the Christmas music now. There we go. And uh, so, for the Christmas edition, uh, James, my co-host, is going to be interviewing me. And then for our New Year edition, I'm going to be interviewing him. Now, normally we get experts in. uh, And, uh, well, look, James and I are experts. Uh, Feels weird to describe yourself as that. Uh, I think we qualify uh, in the world of uh, reimagining religion. Normally this is the time where we big up our guest and say how great they are and how impressive they are. But uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to going to let you take it on trust uh and so yeah we've got that interview it's really uh great to do it i thought it was very interesting um I, I had a great conversation with james i really hope you like it and uh we also have got a little bonus thing james and i had a bit of a christmas party we had a drink we gave each other some presents and uh that's where we're gonna kick off so uh yeah here we are halfway through the lifefulness podcast little office party Yes. I thought it'd be good if we did have uh, a little uh, festive drink with us. What are you drinking there, James? I'm drinking my favorite Cuba Libre rum and coke with some lime juice. Very, very simple. Very good. I have got a, it's a sort of version of a whiskey mac, which is ginger wine. And uh, I don't have whiskey, so it's got brandy, a uh, cooking brandy in it instead. But I think it could be quite an ambitious it's pretty pokey stuff. I try to water it down, and I was like, you, you're watering it down with something which is 13.5%. That's not a traditional mixer. <laughs> you have ginger wine in your house, but you don't have whiskey. Uh, yeah, the uh, because ginger wine's quite Christmassy. I don't know if you've ever had it. It's all that I've nice never and, had it. It sounds great. Oh, it's lovely. It's nice and spicy, and you just like go, mm, I'm warm, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it feels festive. Uh, and uh, yeah, and so then this is the time, James, that I said that we're going to have a bit of a, a gift giving. But this was a game that I came up with uh, when I was working with a company for a uh, end of year party I was doing uh, with them. And I came up with this game called Trash Santa. If you're listening, you should totally play this game. It's really great if you've got any Christmas Zooms. Trash so, Santa, yes. not Trash Panda. No, 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 no. Trash center. And the idea is uh, one person's treasure is another person's, one person's trash is another person's treasure. And what you do is you just uh, go and find out like from you the sorts of things you like. And then we're going to go and look around our houses. And then we're going to see if there's something that we already own, which we can give away to you. And then we'll go and send it to each other, uh, which is a sort of nice uh, present. So uh, the way I start this off with... uh, started off with that group I worked with is to first to start saying what are the things that you've what are some things that you've really enjoyed this year what books have you liked what cinema have you enjoyed what things are you being inspired by James you know I haven't been to the cinema almost all year so that's like a massive black hole for me there's nothing there that I can think of I've really enjoyed the Mandalorian 
the the show on Disney Plus. I think that's some good Star Wars for once after the barren wasteland that is the the new trilogy that they made. Um, I have really liked. I've been trying to read a lot more recently. I went on a cyberpunk kick where I read a ton of books in the cyberpunk genre. And I also read a bunch of books in the genre that's known as the new weird, which is like that that book Annihilation that they made a film out of. I read all sorts of books like that. Very strange, what you would call kind of Lynchian, but in book form. Usually science fiction, odd, like Stephen King sometimes shades into that. His most recent book was kind of like that. So I read that. So I've been reading stuff like that. I've also been doing a fair amount of reading relating to our work together. My favorite book that I read this year was probably a book called Witcraft, which is all about the formation of the English language and how the way that the language developed shaped how English speakers think about concepts and how if it had developed differently, we would think about concepts differently. That book was amazing, particularly because it explored how people used to speak in English and there was these other kind of branches of the language that we could have gone down that had some wonderful words in them. Like, I wish I could remember some of them, but I kept reading this and being delighted by the words that they were coming up with to express new concepts. It was absolutely wonderful exploration of the, the link between language and thought. I loved it. Sanderson, what have you found joy in this year? What have you read? What have you watched? What have you spent your time on? Uh, so... I would say that one listening to hear you talk about things is like I've you've read you've read a lot of stuff this year. Uh, the I really enjoyed uh, Jonathan Rosen's book, The Moves That Mattered. I am really enjoying a book I can't remember the name of the author called The People's Palaces, which is about social infrastructure, uh, which is great. Yeah, well, I've messaged him to see if he can get come on the podcast i have come on you know you want to uh i read uh red pill a book which explores like the uh sort of uh interaction between liberalism and uh sort of the new uh nationalism and all the rest of it and it goes into some really intriguing places so that was great oh yeah i've actually been enjoying reading uh abraham joshua heschel uh some oh, of his wow. work which is uh, because it's uh, the thing which I've really liked is that it's about joy. And I think that uh, channeling joy is going to be one of my main aims for next year. So now we're going to go off and just look through our houses and see what we find. okay i'm back so i am back I that am. was un- unexpectedly intense yeah 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 there's i, I did shatterly what i did feel a bit uh like i was in a, a relationship and the uh for we are james we are but in a romantic we one are. and then i was just like oh god he's gonna love this he's gonna has he read that oh he's gonna love it oh my god yeah. <laughs> uh so uh i will should i go first Yes, go for it. 
Okay, no, I have no. slightly cheated because I want to. Uh, and also, like, I thought you've probably, like, read loads of these anyway. So there might be, like, I've got to go a bit broader in order to go and get some home runs. Uh, so I thought that I would get you The Power of Now. I've by, never read it. By Eckhart Tolle, because the that wasn't so much connected to uh, what you said, but... I think that there's probably quite a lot of sort of work, which you've probably heard. Probably there's people who really love this book who you don't respect. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you know me so well, Sanderson. And uh, yeah, there's like loads of uh, really amazing stuff in here. And I think you have to use the part of your brain, which is like, oh, yeah, I can reinterpret it that's i can see where that's coming from so uh i'm going to give you that by the way if you've got more than one present i can you could we can do alternate but then that might be awkward because i've got you more than one book i've only got one okay well look. I, I, I i could get more no 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 you don't I've have only to got James. one right now you've only got one right now well anyway i'll just do all of mine and you'll look like a bad person uh because okay, uh then i thought we can do get more in. then i thought have you ever read jerome k jerome's uh three men in a boat I have not. Ah, uh, it is. Uh, it's of another world. It's basically three men uh, rowing a boat up the Thames at the turn of the 19th century. And it's delightful and it's funny and it's like, uh, and it's just uh, an absolute classic. Uh, that sounds wonderful. The, it's, uh, yeah, it really is funny in a way which, you know, three guys going up in the river doesn't really have any right to be. And then the uh, the next two were from I think you've probably read. Wait, one of- wait, wait! How many are there? Well, I don't know. I just really I think you've probably read at least one of these. Have you read The Dark Tower by Stephen King? Uh, yes, I have. Okay, read yeah, the Dark I thought Tower. then then that is, that's why I thought uh, you have you read any Bernard Cornwall? The empty- I haven't yet. It's on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll go and send you uh, one from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicles. My son, Ragnar, is named after a Ragnar in that. So uh, I will get your address and the, I will so send these uh, to you. So That's there wonderful. we go, James. Thank you, Sanderson. No worries, You nailed babe. it. Absolute pleasure. Okay, I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add one to this, but I don't have it right next to me. But okay. so you talked about. You, I got the impression that from the things you were saying, you like big ideas. I know that you like big ideas. I know you like engaging with social, cultural, political ideas. But also, you're looking for joy, and you're looking for a way through that gives people life. And the book that I read this year that most gave me the sense of being honest about the situation we're in but also pushing through to joy and light and hope was hope in the dark by rebecca solnit have you ever read it uh i have have i no i haven't read that is that her new one or is it no this is her older one i think i have uh i've used to tell you what i haven't read it I haven't read it. I think I might have started one of them, but I haven't read the whole thing. And so I would love it. It is a beautiful collection of essays. So, which I like because it means that you don't have to read it all in one go, that really digs into the state we're in politically, ecologically, all these big topics that we sometimes explore on the Life on This podcast, but in a way that is real about where we are right now, but also hopeful in an honest way. And I think that that might be something that you'd really get something out of. And then I don't, I don't have it here because I took it into work. It was the first thing I wanted to get. But have you yet read Martin Haglund's This Life? You must oh. have. 
Well, okay. I I will send you a copy of Martin Hagelin's This Life. It's at my office at work. It's a new book. It came out in the last year. It is the most compelling philosophical account of I would call a humanism that I've ever read. But the basic argument is that theological ideas that have a God and an afterlife and a paradise in them completely demean what it is to be human because everything that we have in our lives is important and valuable because it is finite and we can lose it. Oh my God, James, James. That is my, that is my bloody. And it's a beautiful, like it's, it starts with this analysis of grief and loss and what that means to our humanity, our temporality, our fragility. And then it goes on to paint a political picture and defend democratic socialism based on these ideas of basic philosophical principles. It's amazing. I will send it to you. It's fantastic. Uh, the, that sounds awesome. By the way, I just, uh, and I'm just going to go quickly uh, pop out and show you the book, the prize that you didn't get because I thought about giving it to you, but then I realized I want to give it to a mate of mine. Uh, but yeah, hold on. One uh, I just realized this is like our work party. And so uh, it's lovely. This is a book, which I saw and I instantly thought of you. It is. I love it. Uh, Does that, he have? Can you can you that hold is, his face close to the camera so I can see if he has his weeping hairline? So if you are not, I held it up to the webcam. And what this is is uh, it's leadership by Rudolf W. Giuliani, which I found that someone was throwing out for some reason. Why? Uh, I don't know why. And it is sorry. That's that's going to be a joke present to someone else. Uh, Do you remember the villain in the best movie ever made, Fifth Element? Yes when he gets really angry and he starts bleeding black gunk from his hairline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is Rudolph Giuliani. I mean, there is a lot of similarity between him. He, like, yeah, he would certainly seem like that he's willing to destroy the entire universe. Yes. And take control of it for, uh, only for malicious ends. Uh, So, hey, happy Christmas, James. Happy Christmas to uh, you. Here you, you too, go. Samson. And uh, I'm already well on my way through this cocktail. <laughs> and also, happy Christmas to all of our listeners. If this is the first time you're listening, if I want, do these guys always have Christmas at the start of their uh, podcast? Obviously not. That would be strange. But be uh, we do have it for this one. And so, uh, cheers to you all. I know it's been a really hard year for uh, you know everyone. Uh, and then. Uh, we hope to uh, have you in 2021. And uh, now, like, uh, on, with the, on with the interview, James. On with the interview. So now we thought we'd do something really special for this podcast, which is that Sanderson and I are going to interview each other because we want you, our listeners, to learn a little bit more about us. And we thought it would be fun for us to talk to each other about the questions that we often ask our listeners. So my guest today is Sanderson Jones, co-founder of the Sunday Assembly and founder of Lifefulness. How are you doing, Sanderson? Uh, I'm doing great, uh, James. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to have you on the podcast. I've loved your work, followed it for many years. Really excited to talk to you. Well, thanks a lot, mate. So we'd like to ask our guests to begin with 
what what is your religious or faith background were you brought up in any sort of religion sanderson yeah so i was brought up in a christian household my mum was really religious and so uh, i can remember going to sunday school i can remember really uh enjoying it i got really into the bible uh, i uh won the Hearst Scripture Prize at school many times for uh, my biblical knowledge. and uh, More than once. Uh, oh, yeah, James, I was absolutely smashing it. Uh, yeah, so that, that like I can remember, and, and the whole sort of atmosphere was religious. Uh, you know, I went to a sort of boarding school, which was very traditional, so we get to chapel the whole time. The, though, when I, I think we had a science teacher when I first went to this school, and I remember it was... And this has been when I went and checked back. This has been when I've been like about maybe 10 or maybe even younger. Uh, he, I remember he, he was the first atheist I ever met, Mr. Giles. And he, he would just ask a few searching questions. Like and we'd say, and it was really curious. We're like, you've got to believe in God. You've got to say, I believe in the pink elephant. And then we'd, we'd try to disprove it. And, you know, guess what? Oh no, I do believe him. He's just there. You can't <laughs> see him. He's always, and we'd drive us slightly, uh, sort of nuts. And then I was really into Greek myths and Norse myths and all of these different stories. And and I think it was actually because he, I don't know whether it was because he said it or whether it was sort of something like just in my, you know, from my own head. Uh, but yeah, I can remember like the sort of Hindu myths that I studied or the Buddhist myths that I studied were we'd then go and those were things that we learn about in uh, RE in religious education, but those weren't myths. Those were a religion. They weren't a true religion. And then there was the Greek and Roman myths. And so those weren't true at all, but they weren't a religion. And then there was sort of Christianity. Uh, there's a cartoon, great stories, Bible stories, stories that are true. And I must have watched <laughs> that when I was really young. And already I was like, Methinks the lady doth protest too much. You know, I don't get that. <laughs> don't get that at the start of science videos. People are going, hold on, guys, this is definitely true. Do not question this. And so, yeah, I started not to believe at quite a young age. But then, my, so my mum died when I was 10. And that, I think, sort of kept it going for a bit longer. Because obviously, when you're when your, your mum dies, you just like the idea of her being in heaven was really yeah. like wonderful. Like it's a huge comfort to have. And so, the, you know, that slightly sort of put the brakes on it, but the, in the end, it sort of didn't stop it. Uh, and so, yeah, like throughout my teenage years and having to sort of grapple with like th this question of life and death and uh, sort of like, is there a God? Isn't there a God? What happens? And, you know, these are, it's quite interesting, like my, like all the sort of research and sort of learning that I've done since then has started to sort of like give me tools and frameworks to help understand it because like otherwise it was just so strange. I used to like, like if I believed in God, I would feel, I would like, it would be the same physical sensations as being, uh, being in touch with the Holy Spirit, I'm pretty sure. And I was just like a like physical joyful sensation at being alive. And I can remember just 
like almost like for some reason blood was this thing which really I was just like it's just going through our veins the whole time and like just being able to right now like just moving my hands that this movement is this like reminder that we're alive and it is so finite and so precious and the end is so final and the the fact that we're alive is like a sign of you know like the weird thing is I've told this story so often it's quite odd you almost feel like you're sort of diminishing these memories but like it was a a moment when you know I was just really grateful that I'd known my mum at all and I was really grateful that she had been alive and that I'd I'd known her in a way for so long like there's a lot of people who don't know their mum have got a mum they dislike whatever and yeah and it was that experience has really given me the sort of what I now realize and I feel it's a bit embarrassed to say is like is a spiritual truth like this is like a, I'm not I'm a total atheist but uh like you went and if you'd scan my head if you'd go and think about the things that I'm when I'm thinking about life when you were to go and put uh electrodes on me when I'm dancing or singing around I think it's going to hit all the same places that a religious person would have and uh yeah and so that's why eventually you know starting a uh non-religious of secular congregation is you know, it's a natural thing that you do if you have got a uh like a sort of spiritual truth that you want to connect with yourself and think that it would help other people if they could connect to their own life in that way Hello, we're going to take a little break from uh, that great guest to uh, just let you know about the life on this community. Obviously, as you've heard, community is at the heart of what we do. And, you know, we want to build it in that really meaningful way, not just the uh, join the community and go and follow us on Facebook. But what we've got is small groups, which are, you know, online groups where people really connect and talk about the big shit in life. And it's amazing how I wasn't sure they'd work online, but like they're, it's really amazing. So go and that's, you find out about that at lifefulness.io forward slash membership. And then we've also got courses. Lifefulness 101 is the thing to Google. Uh, if you hear, you know, some of the stuff we're talking about and want to take it a bit further, you know, I think around Christmas and New Year, we often go, oh, I want to go make change. And I, I think that's when community comes really important because, you know, making change in your life isn't just you know, something which happens in the first month or the second month. It's about trying to be able to stay focused on it for the long term. And, uh, you know, that's why you know, that's why James and I do this. So anyway, back to me and James. We usually don't delve too much into this part of the interview, but I think this is really important for people to understand you and what I think is your unique approach to this work, which is that from what you're describing that sense of your own aliveness and the luckiness or the gratitude you had for knowing your mom, for being alive. That sounds like a sort of almost mystical experience, like a a genuine spiritual or religious experience equivalent outside of a traditional religious framework. And that, that seems to be what's driving you. Is that fair? That kind of the experiential element of it? Yeah, that's I mean, that's the reason why when I go and when I go and hear about lots of these different religious things, I just like have got this sort of framework, which when I talk about it, I don't want to make it sound like the big I am, but like I can very much easily see. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you were to go and feel this, 
then you would want to do this. Or like, oh, obviously, well, when someone is like connecting in that way, well, okay, they're going to use that word for it. But but actually you can look at it sort of functionally like this. And so, yeah, that is genuinely, there is, there is a way that your body can connect to an idea, to, to, to a philosophy that, uh, you know, creates a feeling inside you, an experience, which isn't just like an evolutionary byproduct. It's not just some little uh, spandrel, which is that sort of term for like a, uh, like a sort of like an appendix or whatever else yes. it might be. It's an embellishment. Or, yeah. And, you know. Yeah. An unnecessary little addition. It is actually something really powerful there. I'll, you know, say stuff like, you know, often end up, uh, you know, like connecting to that feeling as a, as an individual and then being able to connect to that as a community, like it's the stuff which makes you want to go and build cathedrals, you know, like and that's, and for you, it sounds like it's experience. I hate this language in a way, cause it's all wrong, but that the experience is primary. And then it's not an intellectual pursuit primarily. It's getting in con- contact with that, that feeling. And then. Well, I guess it's like, and that's where, and that's where this language of spirituality is. Yeah. You end up getting into all of these places. Like I can remember being at university. I was, uh, you know, we did the uh, the intellectual history of the twelfth century, and there were all of these the rationalists there, all the people at the University of Paris, your Anselms, your Aquinases, and they were like going you know thinking about stuff and then they would they'd go and hit resistance from the mystics who were who thought that that got in the way and i think i was previously more team like team philosophy team natural science team natural sciences there it's like to my mind it's impossible to disentangle them and yes. because but because to me like that feeling was arrived at through an intellectual process of, of like, but but one which happened to be, uh, and this is where like I'm really like that language around embodied cognition. It was something which was like, you know, was I wasn't just thinking about like because it's got to do with grief and loss. It's like like written right the way through your body, and so then any answer that you have is then likewise like at that sort of fundamental level of you know really sort of hardwired into you and i guess often what i'm trying to do and so with the lifefulness project and with sort of sunday assembly as well was sort of like almost because i and, and i'm not always able to be in touch with that like i like for instance when i go and read uh theologians or like these histories of like people who like felt far from god i, I go oh yeah, yeah yeah like i've also like we've all got that feeling like if we just go and say like far from God is where that like little extra energy you have, that sense of being connected to who you are and what you're doing it. Like sometimes you're just like, whoa, a bit. And so then, yeah, I, I feel disconnected from your ultimate meaning. Yeah. From, yeah. From my ultimate meaning. So like, and, and so, but then when I am, when I'm really connected to it, then it's also shows up in how I am with other people, like what I can do with other people and how I work. And so, 
uh, I think it was Dr. Guy Claxton who said that like the spiritual mm. techniques, what they do is enable you to stabilize spiritual insights and to sort of then go and be able to make them more part of of your life and actually your existence and then actually fundamental who you are. And so, yeah, and so that's why like when sort of looking at all the different sort of techniques that people use to go and sort of connect them to like what they would call God, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm like that's what I, that's what I want to have. So in order to enable me to connect to, you know, the thing which is most important to me and which is like what drives me. So then that is a really good way to move into the next part of the interview, which is the speed round, where yes. we go through the six pillars of lifefulness and ask you what they are for you. So what is your ultimate meaning in life, your sacred value? Well, I feel that I've just gone and done a big answer of that. <laughs> uh, the uh, But you now got to do a small answer. Yeah, now i got to do a small answer. Well, yeah, for me, it is life itself. Like I go and uh, the reason at the start of this, I was like, like that – there is for me something just so joyful and abundant and unreal and sort of uh, unfathomable about being a human. Like there's, I will, there is an ending to my life, but there is no ending to how much I want to know, how much I will not know and to partake in that. And to, like, if you're a rock, if you're about to die and someone, like I said, I was about to die and someone said, you can have another 40 years of your life from the age of 40. I'm like, I'm about to pass it and I'm about to just die. And someone says, like the feeling in your head, like at that moment would be, like you've won every single lottery in the world an infinite time, an infinite amount of times and because you're alive and that's and that's the what that's my ultimate meaning is just like that feeling of uh joy uh that it is uh, to be alive and gratitude and luck it's so it petered off. It petered off at the end. So no, you did. You did great describing it as a wonderful part at the beginning of the book. Thirty-six arguments for the existence of God, a work of fiction by Rebecca Goldstein, which is amazing. If you haven't read it, I'll send that to you as well. Where where the uh, the psychologist atheist who is the main character has these religious experiences of gratitude for being alive or sense of the just total luck cosmic luck of being existing and it's described in such a gorgeous way and i always think about you when i read that section of the book because i'm like this is so so <laughs> um so the second one is celebration and contemplation so many religious traditions have structured ways that they encourage communities to celebrate or to people to contemplate life so where do you find that yourself so i guess a big part of it is in my work so when i am hosting events that's when i you know, I'm in touch with it and I'm communicating with other people and it's like a ultimate flow peak experience state. And uh, so that would be one of them. Then I guess would be when I'm more of a receiving end or partaking end, I'd say like fe a festival, like a, you know, a real festival experience uh, is also where you'll, you know, I'll have many moments. I just go, oh, this is what it is to be alive. Uh, and then... I would say What's your favorite festival that uh, you've ever been to. I've ever been to uh Benny Kasim 2005 a lot of good times. 
Uh, the, I, uh, I don't uh, even know what that is. You're so much cooler than me. <laughs> now, so now I'm way too old to ever be as cool as you. Oh, James, but you've got a lot of degrees. So uh, yeah. uh, the uh, and then the last one would be actually the contemplative part is I, I do I run sort of most days and uh, most weekdays and that's a time when I'm on my own try different sitting still sorts of contemplation I can't quite grasp them yet I do do them for a bit I just, I'm still yeah I hate those too. <laughs> so the, okay that's great the next pillar is community life so who are your people Where, where's your community. So the, there's, again, as a community builder, there's a time when I am uh, a part of the community at uh, where I, like the Lifefulness Project, just starting that again and doing sort of small groups and getting to know people and being in that sense of connecting with people and being, again, able to use what I do to help folk. There's that. And then... There's a number of different communities which I am part of, but there's the one which has really been impactful at the moment is actually the community of community builders, uh, which I met through this Facebook community accelerator. That's been really wonderful to feel that connection and support. And we've had many of the people you met through that on the podcast. So if people are interested in learning more about that, they can listen to all the podcasts where we've had people. Laura Willoughby and then Suzanne uh, Alderson. We'll have some more coming up. Some more coming up. That's really exciting. So the next pillar is personal growth. So where are you growing psychologically right now? Is there anything that you're struggling with that's holding back your growth? So uh, I got fired by my therapist, I think, uh, <laughs> the, uh, about a few months ago. It uh, wasn't quite working. And then I've got a, an ADHD coach who's also a therapist. And so he, that, that's something which I, I'm with him, and that helps me both on the sort of logistical, practical side, but also he knows about, like, the negative thoughts and what have you. And then I'm... Also starting to work with a uh, a theatre director around wow. social media because I've slightly get, got stage fright, the equivalent of stage fright around social media. And because she works with live performers, I think that I'm going to try to get her to help me as though she was helping a performer like with stage fright. So that, that's a great idea. And that's sort of around like you know, the sense of rejection, the sense of knowing, like the sense of audiences and sort of who you are in front of different audiences and other stuff like that. So, so those are some areas. I'm really intrigued and we could dig in so much to the question of how you got fired by your therapist and what that, what, what that means and how uh, he said, he that? said, are you sure this is working? And so I was like, you know what? It probably isn't. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> but that sounds like a very responsible therapist. No, 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 no. He was a very responsible. He didn't trump me. That's good. To, that's good to hear. I'm also really interested about this uh, idea of social media stage fright. I imagine a lot of people feel a certain amount of anxiety in terms of putting themselves out on social media. Mm. We've got a great episode about social media and authenticity with Chris Stedman. You can go listen to it. I mean, what a podcast. So serving others is the next pillar. And so how do you find opportunities to serve other people? So there's through my work, uh, the, yeah, it's been again, wonderful to get, I feel that I've been on this journey to try to go and work out what shape 
the work that I do should be and coming up with this thing is like podcast and small groups and then working with companies, just like starting to work with people regularly again is just such a, a joy. And uh, yeah, I love it. And then serving, there's a like one of the tricky things is that like I've designed my work to go and play to my strengths, but in the house, I can't be like, I know, babes, I know you want to like have someone who is like really on top of everything and remembers all the tasks and is very details oriented. But what if I do? Why don't I make a podcast about like housework and then it can help loads? So I'd say that I want to serve better at home. And uh, that is that's the thing that I'm working on. I'm sure that your SO will appreciate that effort. And I'm sure you're probably better than you think you are. Well, <laughs> oh, okay, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe there'll, much there'll, worse. There will it's be. Uh, there, there are times when I'm, I'll do something and I'm really pleased with it, and she'll be like, "What?" So anyway, <laughs> uh... you and I are very similar in that way. I have a partner who's got very high standards in the home as well, and I'm like, oh, "But I did the thing you wanted me to." <laughs> yeah, you did it terribly. <laughs> so finally, last pillar changing the world this is our version of evangelism going out and shaping the world what do you do to shape the world Tarnison? yeah so the like that's been a big thing so like i guess with the life on this project is that there is you know, like there's this there's this idea of lifefulness of uh, adapting the lessons of the spiritual community and congregation in a way that everyone can help in, in everyone can take part uh, the and so then there's one part of that which is sort of you know in the small groups of like helping people to build those communities but then there's another part of like what I and what you know we're doing is uh, sort of developing it as a practice so that other people can go out and do it like it shouldn't all be you know that's why it's an idea because we want to go and encourage other people to do it and then there's then like going and actually creating the resources around it so that like if you are in a company and you sort of think, oh, I'd love to, you know, make this place more like a community, more like a have more soul and meaning, then you would have the resources to do that. And then maybe you could go and get in touch with a lifefulness practitioner. And I guess and, and what that is, my, my small part in doing is uh, sort of tackling what I see as a sort of crisis in meaning and belonging. We need to have better ways of making sense of the world. And we need to do that from right from the heart of our being. And, you know, in that way, which is where what we're feeling in our bodies and that experience of what I'd say is that of the divine, like we've got these, we've got this feeling within us all that when we connect with that, it is so powerful in our own lives, but then helping people sort of connect that to communities, to societies, to culture, so that we can go and, uh, you know, tackle the fact that, you know, there's a lot of us who don't, you know, don't have good explanation as why we're here, what we're doing, and we don't know who our people are. Right. Well, you did a brilliant job with that speed round. And there are so many things that we could talk about. But one of the things that I'm always interested to talk to you about is that you are a comedian, right? You are someone who make people laugh for a living and you're very good at it. And you decided to start this community because you kind of had an idea one day, you know, and it kind of brought together a lot of things that you were thinking about in your life before that, from what we've talked about, at least it seems that way. 
But I think that some people still think, well, it's a bit of a joke, really. You know, this atheist church business, it's like uh, almost making fun of religion. Mm. It's it's not serious. But from everything you've said today, it's clear that you take it very seriously. You care deeply about it. You read tons about it. You work incredibly hard on this stuff. I've, I'm always amazed by how much you've read and thought about and done since our last podcast. So what would you say to people who still don't get that this lifefulness thing you're doing isn't like a, a joke or making fun of religion, but it's actually a serious way to try and help people live life better? Yeah. Well, one, I should clearly get better at communicating uh, if uh, if that is still coming across like that. But I also... Uh, it, I don't think it is, but I think people have a lot of assumptions about how religion has to be done and that they... they yeah. Bring... Hmm. It's a real but, but ponderer. I didn't know... Uh, yeah, but I, I guess, like, there's there's two different elements. There's one element, which is, like, religious people, really, who think that, like, oh, this is a joke, this is... And... And often people will only go and have a look at the surface of it. They'll go and right. see whatever that might be. Or there was this one article by someone who, uh, uh, I don't know exactly who it is, but uh, who's... By someone who will remain nameless. Yeah, who said, judging by the pictures on the Sunday Assembly website, I'm like, he's like, I've never been, but judging. And you're like, what on earth? sort of way to judge this is that so yes. it's like go and actually find out about it and so there's one part which is uh just annoyance that people aren't sort of having a look under the hood more and then the other side is that i actually do think that sometimes i have a hard time uh communicating in the sorts of the sorts of communications which are serious like i'm not gonna i don't really want to write a report <laughs> like that's not the thing that I most no. dream of doing uh and you know I have also come from a non-traditional background so I guess I, I just right. would say the the other part of it is just you know eventually doing the work and getting the work out there uh but like the part underneath and, and then there is something of just like it's really I sometimes think that lifefulness is hard to communicate because of the and that maybe that's just because I haven't expressed it the right way, but because it is a bit tricky. Like people, I was just on the. There was someone who was just in um, in the small groups. And he was like going, yeah, yeah, I'm still not sure what the lifefulness is. And like as part of it was a pilot thing, and each one had been a discussion of a different part of like the six pillars of lifefulness. <laughs> Right, and, and they still didn't uh, know what it was. And then that's, uh, and then there's a bit of it. Well, well, there's not like a simple. Okay, I'm just going to go and look through that and go and get it. And so, you know, we're trying to communicate something in a way which, like, if someone could become a lifefulness practitioner, you're like, okay, you want to do that, yeah. And also trying to communicate it in a way that someone might want it for their business, and then also trying to communicate it in a way that someone who, you know, wants it in their own life. So there are, uh, there, like, yeah, there's sometimes trying to simplify a complex idea is hard. There's a bit of it, it's like, yeah. we should just say, like, it's a secular church, but it's also not. <laughs> like, yes, I think, right. I think it's one of those things. Like, it's sort of like that, but the whole point of, uh, the whole point of it is to try to, like, go and say, 
you can go and create a new thing, which is like that, but it's not really that, if you know what I mean. Like, and actually, some people will be put off by us saying, oh, so it only comes from church background. No, we're trying to learn from lots of different religions. So, right. It's and there's and something about it that seems to me like your own idea of what you're doing has grown as you've gone through the experience of starting Sunday Assembly in London and then expanding and there being lots of Sunday Assemblies. And then maybe the idea was, oh, we can kind of manage a lot, of, build a lot of these groups everywhere and kind of coordinate them somewhere. And then kind of moving towards more of what's the sort of philosophy or life view or approach to life that's really underlying all this which is which is not just limited to being celebrated within the congregational setting you can do it elsewhere but it's, it sounds like a progression in your own thinking is that right well weirdly actually at sunday assembly there's a bit where i would say to people it's like well it could be an app like there's a bit of me it's like it could be like a great book like it could be like it because in the same way that if you go and look at religions is or congregations, it's like they've got books on how to like get people to sing along. They've got books on how to do a uh, contemplative practice. They've got books on how to organize a small group. I bet there is a course you can do on church parking. Right. And that is oh, all. Yeah. I bet yeah, there is. Yeah. 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 And there's like, well, that that's all, you know, there's probably like, I hope in the long run, there'll be like, life on this parking for your electric vehicles or whatever it might be that the and so it is it's like the worldview or the life approach that that underlies what happens in sunday assembly Just, and you can represent it in lots of different ways and and that's very i feel like that makes it is this uh, maybe i'm wrong about this but my feeling is there's something very personal about this that no one else could really have come up with the exact lifefulness that you came up with. Because the way you talk about it is it comes out of your own experiences of loss, of celebration of life, your your own propensity to comedy and um, the mm. way that you engage. It, it feels very personal to you, to me. Oh, yeah. And it, I mean, it, it is, it's the, it's, you know, it comes from the uh, the deepest part of me. And so it is really, it's very personal. And it's also trying to then, but at the same time, the idea that a celebration of life, you just go and Google the amount of church, like Google celebration of life church. And there are so many churches which are like that. Like hashtag YOLO, you know, is something which uh, the internet does not need translating. Like the, at the same time, it is, very obvious that you know life is a good thing <laughs> there literally is a celebration of life church in oh, Henderson. there are loads of them Hendersonville, like tennessee like you know there's uh was it at the start yeah you mentioned grief at the start that like sometimes uh people will I'll I'll talk about honey oh, you know life is celebration it is joy it is wonder it is delight we should all and there's a part of people who go no it's not it's it's misery and it's suffering and it's uh, and it's uh, a lifetime of oppression and uh, do you know what's happening uh, in uh, in Burkina Faso it's like should I tell you what mate in Burkina Faso they're sad at funerals like and so you're telling me that they don't celebrate their lives no like we, life is a good and it, you lose nothing in like uh, you lose, you do not lose the ability to 
talk about the bad things, to engage with the bad things, to try to fight the bad things. Except guess what? It might actually make the times when you're at your lowest. And then I realized I was still alive. And then I realized that I still have whatever it might, it might help you personally with it. It might enable a community of people to be like, whoa, like actually life is so important. We can't, you know, that suffering over there, like they, they, they've got this thing, which is so precious. And yet they're, they're, they're very sad. You know, there's this pain, there's injustice. I'm going to go and make it better because that's what life should be like. This is like, it's- but that's a very interesting response to this critique you can imagine someone making of being like well if it's all about celebrating life not everyone's life is that great and are you just ignoring all the people who live in a a bad life but it sounds like what you're arguing for is something deeper than that an appreciation of the potential richness of life itself regardless of where we live not ignoring our life circumstance but almost making the most of what we have whatever it is is that like what you're saying I mean, yeah, for sure. And you go and look at some music which uh, comes like, you know, black music in the US. Like it's like often it's like people with the the least going and like making the most of the times that they do have. Like there is, you know, that's where like Nina Simone's Ain't Got No is to me like the almost sums up the sort of theology of lifefulness. I've got, you know, that's like, you know, you've got nothing, but you've still got life. And so... I th- yeah, that's why, and some, and and so I find it hard to reconnect with that uh, because even though I know it's true, like I know it, I believe it, like I, oh gosh, to think about that, to be able to experience it, and my job is to try to transmit that to other people because you know sometimes even in this saddest of times, like we're still alive. The reason that we're sad is because we're alive. The reason that we're sad is because other people are dying. Like that, it doesn't diminish it. And it, and so, but then I can go and get myself into a total tears about like just this morning, mate. I just couldn't get started. I couldn't like do things. I couldn't like, I knew what I wanted to do, like all sorts. And yeah. And so then for me, I find myself like I'm, you know, I get knocked off course by uh, (laughs) stuff other people find really easy. But that's really, it's really inspiring to hear that, you know, you're very open about sometimes when you struggle to connect with your own deepest value, because I think that's all of us. I think that we all actually sometimes think, I know how I want to be living. I know how I want to be relating to my own life, but we can't make it happen. And that's very frustrating. I can't remember who I was reading, but it's in the Bible, so you can go there. Uh, and there's a time when St. Paul says, I can't do what I want to do. And I think he's trying to not think about sex at that time. There's no need to go and get into marital sex uh, right now. Yeah. And I can remember there was some stand up, which I never, it never really worked because I just don't think it really, like, I'd be like, I can't do what I want to do. Like, I, like I've got all the things which is I'm sitting in front of my laptop. I want to do this work. It will lead to the things that I want to yes. do. It'll even be like, me writing something like something I enjoy doing. And then for reasons I now understand are connected to my ADHD, uh, amongst other things, uh, I just have difficulty doing it. And then I'll be, and then I'll go into some sort of self-recrimination. I will go into, and this is, this is now even once I understand it more, but before it was just like, 
who the fuck are you? You fucking can't even, what the fuck? You're just not doing it. You feel like you're wasting your time. When yeah, and then it. it becomes like that thing where you're like, I know how precious this is. I've like, yes. I've designed my life to go and, you know, help people live their lives, to go and translate this thing, which I think is most important, which can really help people, which I can. And then I'm being absolutely thrown by a form. Like, you know, I which which all I can go and even if I complete it or enable me to get money to go and do this other thing. Yes. Just, uh, yeah. So there we go. Well, I think it's, uh, it's really wonderful to be able to talk to you about this stuff more in depth because you are the reason why this podcast exists, right? This is your master plan and big idea. And I think people really need to understand who you are and where you're coming from in this work to understand lifefulness and the whole project. So I'm, I think it's a really great opportunity to kind of dig into some of the things that drive you and make you want to do this work. Oh, thanks so much, man. I will ask one more question. You said that ain't got no by Nina Simone was like the, the artistic summation of lifefulness in some way. Are there other artistic works or, or books or something that you go back to that really encapsulate the feeling of lifefulness for you? Because I think that that can sometimes really help people get it. Uh, Do You Realise by The Flaming Lips is amazing. And that's it. Like it's, you know, it's the, there's a certain melancholy to it, but it's, um, there's also like unbridled joy. And uh, there's also something by Don Cupid called The Religion of Ordinary Life, which Mm. is uh, really simple. And it is, I might be able to go and find it here. And Don Cupid is a really interesting figure who is a, he was an Anglican vicar. And then he he started this movement called the Sea of Faith, which was sort of a load of non-religious, religious people. Like he's an atheist, but he's got this huge religious uh, thing. I tried to say, well, I'm going to go and uh, read some of it. Maybe this is a good way to end it. So here we go, from the religion of ordinary life. Life is everything. Life is the whole human world. Everything as it looks to and is experienced by the only beings who actually have a world, naming the human beings with a life to live. Life is all there is. Our age is now post-metaphysical. The world of life is not dependent upon nor derived from any other realm, nor is there any world after it or beyond it. Life is God. Life is that in which we live and move and have our being, within which we are formed and of those whose past we will remain part. Both our origin and our last end are within life. Life is now as God to us. To love life is to love God. Every bit of our life is final for us and we should treat all life as a sacred gift and responsibility. We should see our relation to life as being like an immediate relation to God, We are moved and touched by the way all living things and not just we ourselves spontaneously love life, affirm it and cling to it. 
So that was it, our first uh, little Christmas edition. Uh, it's been so great to work with James and to get to know him. And I loved that conversation. It was good to be able to like really get into the nuts and guts of these issues. I, I, having the guests along who know so much is really amazing. Just being able to tap into their brains, hopefully to go and surface stuff that you find useful. Uh, it's also really useful for us as we're sort of researching this idea and creating this idea and making it happen uh but because james and i speak uh so often and work together so often then it it means that he can really get into stuff and for me that that connection of the experience the idea and the practice is right at the heart of this entire endeavor and james was really able to sort of like dig into it and you know, to me, I'm, you know, I'm still finding language and I'm still finding the right way to express the relationship between, you know, the experience of life uh, and, you know, how that goes and translates into so many different areas. So thanks so much for listening to it. It's I certainly know that this is going to be something I want to explore for the foreseeable, uh, maybe for, you know, for the next until I die. Yeah, really, I hope you enjoyed it. Like I said at the start, you know, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I know certainly here, like I'm recording this in the back of our flat, we're expected to go and stay with my mother-in-law and we're really excited about that and now you know it's just a bit smaller and less family here all these things that we you know I certainly associate with Christmas and so like I know that a ton of you guys are going to be going through something similar and uh, yeah I hope you're able to get what you want and what you need from this little break so thanks for listening right to the end not everyone does uh, and uh, i also want to thank not only you the listeners but james uh, my uh, brilliant gift giving co-host who gives me the gift of himself uh, and then also mavs the producer will andrews who makes the artwork and uh, mirror shot who normally do the music but we've probably got christmas music now so i don't think they made this <laughs>